Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Circle of Insight Foreign Affairs, where you will receive a daily briefing on national security news from around the world. Let's get started. Here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody had a good Christmas. Today's story happened actually Tuesday, December 24th in 1974. You might have heard of this story, but I thought I'd bring it back since it was right around this time, about what, 47 years ago. So let's look on this date in espionage history. James Angleton resigned and retired from the CIA at the request of CIA Director William Colby. Angleton was one of the most controversial CIA officers of the 20th century. The first half of his career was marked with extraordinary success, but the latter years are besmirched by his search for an insider, the mole, within the CIA, which prevented the CIA from conducting effective offensive foreign intelligence, especially against the Soviet Union. Angleton had a well-earned reputation as a stellar, sometimes brilliant operations officer with a mind that was able to sleuth out nuggets of information like Sherlock Holmes. In 1954, director Plans Wisner, W-I-S-N-E-R, and his deputy Richard Helms created the counterintelligence staff to which Angleton was named chief. Angleton would occupy the position until his departure from the agency some 20 years later. A number of books have been written about Angleton taking him to task appropriately. In 1987, the New York Times wrote, How has time passed? Recent disclosures about highly, highly damaging Soviet espionage operations suggest that Angleton was more accurate in his suspicions than was once believed. Three events, though, would scar Angleton's behavior and, frankly, his operational analysis in the mid 1960s through his last days within the CIA in 1974. In the 1990s, Kim Philby, in the mid-1990s, the writer had a history fellowship to the Center for the Studies of Intelligence. One of the projects assigned was to assist former director Richard Helms with his research within the CIA's archives. Helms remarked in the late 1990s again in his memoir how the defection of the UK intelligence officer Kim Philby hit Angleton hard. Angleton hadn't been the CIA officer who fingered Philby's traitorous activity, and Angleton's friendship clouded his finely honed Sherlock Holmes sense, or Spidey sense, as some call it. Helms opined how this event shaped the attitude which Angleton would be most remembered, never wanting to be hoodwinked again. That leads us to Anatoly Golotsin, which we've talked about before, a KGB major. He approached the CIA station chief in Helsinki, Finland, and asked for asylum. Golotsin was a middling officer within the KGB, and as noted in the book Cold Warrior, his impact on the West was far from just a middling officer. It would be momentous. The CIA station chief whisked him out of Helsinki with his family to Stockholm and on to the U.S. The COS would later describe the intelligence initially provided by Galatson as small potatoes. He had information on the KGB, all right, and the KGB personnel in Helsinki, but he knew little of KGB operations anywhere else. 
Galatson also was full of himself, which a lot of spies can be. Within weeks of having defected, he started making demand upon demand. Got a little too big for his own britches, you could say. He even demanded to meet President Kennedy, which never happened. CIA Director McCone, which happened and became a regular occurrence. He also piqued Angleton's interest, and thus Angleton and Galatson formed an inexplicable bond. As time passed and Galatson was debriefed by various entities of the U.S. Intelligence Committee, his story also began to morph and adjust based on acquired knowledge. When the U.S. tired of Galatson, he was sent to the U.K., where his accusations caused additional disarray to an intelligence community already reeling from the defection of Philby and his colleagues, Donald McLean and Guy Burgess. Galatson would return to the U.S. in 1963 under the control of Angleton, who had convinced his seniors, including DDO Helms, that Galatson had great value. Angleton's adoption of the view that Galatson was the only defector from the Soviet Union who had shared truth would evolve to be Angleton's Achilles' heel. Of course, I know, hindsight's 2020. We know that Galatson was, in a word, a BS artist today. In 1962, we add another name to the story, Yuri Nasenko, an officer within the KGB Second Chief Directorate, and on TDI to Geneva, managed to slip away from a delegation to which he was providing security and volunteer his services to the United States. Over a series of four meetings in Geneva, Nasenko provided a fire hose of actionable counterintelligence, ranging from the location of bugs within the U.S. Embassy to the identity of Soviet spies in the U.S. and the United Kingdom. The CIA officers debriefing Nazenko cable to CIA headquarters read, Subject has conclusively proven his bona fides. Nasenko's only stipulation to a continued clandestine relationship was that the CIA never try to meet with him in Moscow. What wouldn't be known until years later was that the initial CIA officer who debriefed Nasenko had weak Russian language skills, and that Nasenko, not unlike other defectors, had gilded the lily of his professional stature. These two issues would later cause Nasenko to be viewed with great distress and ultimately become a great embarrassment to the Central Intelligence Agency. Angleton had hitched his wagon to the incredible story being peddled by Galatson, which was any defector which followed him was a false defector. He said about convincing that those who met with Nasenko, Nasenko was indeed a provocation. In 1964, Nasenko returns to Geneva, this time determined not to return to Moscow and carrying with him 18 months of harvesting from within the KGB archives. He carried with him the identity source within NATO and the U.S. Army. Most importantly, however, was Nasenko's claim to have personal knowledge in the KGB's interaction with Larry Lee Harvey Oswald, who had assassinated JFK just two months before. Nasenko said this about Oswald. He first noted that while Oswald had defected the Soviet Union in Minsk and was monitored by the local KGB, Oswald actually had no relationship with the KGB, according to Nasenko. He even claimed to have read Oswald's file in 1959 and then again four years later. The tug-of-war and the bona fides of Nasenko had enveloped much of the attention of the Soviet Operations Division. As Nasenko was treated as a hostile, kept in confinement at a CIA facility and interrogated regularly. On March 1, 1969, after an exhaustive review, Nasenko was deemed bona fide and soon after released, had his name changed, and was hired on as a CIA consultant. Angleton would still never come to accept the fact that Nasenko was bona fide. So what happened to Nasenko? Well, he would go on to brief classes of new employees within the CIA on Soviet KGB recruitment techniques. So that's pretty good. 
Some officers who attended more than one of Nosenko's briefings had the opportunity to engage directly with the man who remarkably held no ill will and wanted only to provide whatever benefit he could to his adopted country. Richard Helms wrote in a memoir, Look Over My Shoulder, how Angleton was one of the most complex men he's ever known. He also wrote how Angleton's dismissal from the CIA that only one other officer of his agency contemporaries to have inspired more public attention is Alan Dulles. Helms observed that post-Soviet Union former KGB officers had commented how Angleton was their biggest asset, not in the frame of a source, but rather because his alleged harebrained security measures had paralyzed the ability of the West to operate against the Soviet Union. Former director William Kobe wrote in his book, Honorable Men, how he should have removed Angleton before he became an apparent scapegoat. But he says, quote, I saw that American intelligence still had to get rid of its James Bond or Maxwell smart image. Many attribute a Seymour Hirsch piece of December 22, 1974, which eviscerated the CIA as a catalyst for Angleton's removal. Colby claims in his memoir that was not the case. Indeed, Colby, while direct deputy director, he had recommended to the CIA director Schlesinger that Angleton be included in the purge of operations officer which occurred in 1973. But Schlesinger omitted Angleton from the purge as he was fascinated by Angleton's undoubted brilliance. Angleton's career in intelligence in the U.S. spanned many years. He is unfortunately remembered, though, for his ignoble actions of the latter half of his career, as we mentioned in the beginning. Former KJB officer Oleg Godovsky would note many years after Angleton's death how KGB operational failures occur because of Engel's rep reputation alone. His name was legend at number one Dzernsky Square. Angleton should always be remembered for the aforementioned errors. He should also be remembered for his hand in the evolution of counterintelligence and counterespionage. This is what makes him complicated, folks. He was an asset and a threat all at the same time. That's what makes him very complicated. Angleton did die on May 12, 1987, at just 69 years of age due to lung cancer. That's it for now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.